Today, we welcome Dustin Brady to the podcast. Dustin is the author of the Trapped in a Video Game series, and he comes out with his next book today called Escape from a Video Game, The Secret of Phantom Island, which we talk a lot about in this episode, and spoiler, we both love it. Dustin's books are perfect for reluctant readers who love video games. They're funny while not being overwhelming, and in this most recent book, readers are given the autonomy to make choices, fail forward, and try again. Today, we chat with Dustin about what brought him to becoming an author, how he gets his ideas, and how he loves to connect with his audience. Dustin was able to provide you, our Smarties audience, with an exclusive discount code for his latest book, Escape from a Video Game. The code 5ESCAPE, in all caps, is good for 5% off the paperback and hardcover editions of Escape from a Video Game on the U.S. Amazon store. And that code is good until September 27th. We've linked it in the show notes. We also chat more with Dustin on our Patreon. Patreon is where our audience supports the work that we're doing here on the podcast with a $5 monthly donation. In exchange, we post extended interviews, extra content, and so much more. We're also really excited to announce our first ever Patreon-only happy hour that we will be hosting on Friday, September 11th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We've already posted all the details over on our Patreon account, so come join us and hang out with us on Friday, September 11th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And when you join us on Patreon, you get all the other awesome content that we've shared over there as well. The link to join us on Patreon is www.patreon.com slash learnsmarterpodcast. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer you have to learn smarter the educational therapy podcast hi smarties welcome to episode 119 of learn smarter the educational therapy podcast i'm stephanie pitts and i'm rachel cap and today dun 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 <laughs> we are welcoming author dustin brady to the podcast welcome yay hey guys thanks for having me it's so fun it's so fun and Dustin is the author of a bunch of books that are very, very popular in my practice. <laughs> Third through sixth grade, boys in particular, see it on the shelf and go, what's that? <laughs> and it all started when I was on Amazon looking for a book to help a reluctant reader. And I saw Trapped in a Video Game. And I thought... Mm, yes, <laughs> that could not be any more perfect. So now I've used it with quite a few kids reading it, and I've read all five of them in that series. So I reached out and just wanted to have him come on the podcast because we're big fans over at My Ed Therapist. So <laughs> welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this, to learn from you guys about helping reluctant readers too. I think this is going to be really fun. Well, we're excited to have you here, and we always love to hear a little bit about the journey that sort of brought our guests to the point of what we want to talk to them about. Yeah. So can you share a little bit about your background and where you're from and sort of what brought you to becoming a writer? 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I live in Cleveland, Ohio. It's where I grew up. And growing up, I actually liked reading. I was a, a big reader as a kid. So I really liked stories that you know had tons of action in I and mean, stories that were funny. And from the time I was you know 10 years old, 11 years old, I always wanted to write something like that. And so it took a while. I went to college for journalism. I worked in that field for a little bit. But when I turned 30, I decided to do it. I'm like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write this book. That's going to be my favorite book for when I was 10 years old. So I did. I made a list actually of all the things that I was into at that time. And at the top of that list was this game show called Nickelodeon Arcade. I don't know if you guys remember that at all, but it was in the 90s. I'll describe it a little bit. So it it was one of those Nickelodeon game shows. Like Double Dare? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I didn't have cable as a kid, so my... (laughs) So that's the thing. I didn't either. And that's what made it so special. So my friend down the street, Anthony Laporta, did. And so Anthony Laporta was cool. I only saw Nickelodeon Arcade one time, and I thought about it, like, for years afterwards every day. And when I describe it, you'll understand why. So it was a game show and and they'd ask the kids video game questions or or something like, I don't remember the game show part, but one of the teams won and then goes to commercial break, comes back from commercial break. These kids are now in elbow pads and knee pads and helmets for reasons that were never made clear. And then (laughs) this big door opens and smoke pours out. The kids run through, the doors close, and then a video screen turns on and those kids are in a 90s video game. Like they're playing the game from the inside. They're running, they're climbing up ladders, they're throwing snowballs that elves are riding on a magic carpet. My husband 100% would have watched this. Yeah. It does sound familiar. Yeah. So again, I only watched it once, but I remember thinking about that all the time. Like, I want to be on that show. (laughs) I don't know how they do it, but I want to be in a video game. That's not a unique thought, but I just remember thinking about it all the time. I thought, you know, that would be a fun thing to do in a book. So again, it's not a unique thing, but I just wrote every aspect of it to be my favorite book, you know, when I was that age. So like a ton of action scenes, cliffhangers at the end of every chapter, and it moves, 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 moves. And then like take out all the boring parts and then go again and that's it. And so I actually self-published it. And so my brother is an illustrator. So I asked him, like, hey, could you do the cover for me and and some illustrations? And he's like, do you have any money? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) you're my brother. (laughs) It's not much. And he's like, fine. You should have just said yes. (laughs) So he did it. And then I put it up on Amazon. I left it up on Amazon for like a really long time before checking, like 10 minutes. And then clicked refresh and nobody bought it. And I'm like, well, I should give it, you know, a little longer, like 10 minutes later, refresh, nobody bought it. Like all that day, refresh, 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 refresh. Uh Nobody bought it. And then that night. What year was that? 2016. So then that night, that number went from a zero to a one. And I'm like, I am an author. (laughs) and it was so good until the next day my mom called me and she's like hey i saw your book on amazon i bought it like that doesn't count (laughs) oh no but eventually somebody bought it for real uh, later that week. And then more and more people started buying it. And, you know, I think people were telling people and the reviews were really good, especially like Stephanie, like you said, with reluctant readers. And so it kind of became known for that on Amazon and it got the attention of my publisher, Andrews McNeil. And they approached me the next year and said, hey, we're looking for a book like this. Would you want to republish with us? And I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it came out with Andrews McNeil. My brother's still the illustrator. He did some extra illustrations. We added a little bonus section in the back and republished with them. And it's been awesome ever since. And so, yeah, it's been a really cool journey. Love it. I was looking to see when I bought it. 
Yeah. July 2018. Okay. All right. So you got the green cover. You didn't get the the limited edition blue, a much junkier self-published cover. No, I got the ones that all look alike. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. Very good. All right. I was hoping I was like right in there, but no, I guess I wasn't. It's okay. Yeah. It's all right. Death of a dream. Okay. Smarties, this is Rachel and I'm just popping in. We're really excited about the happy hour that we will be hosting on Friday, September 11th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Then get that link by joining us over for a $5 a month donation on Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash learn smarter podcast. Back to the episode. So I want to know, you talked a little bit about the book that you would want to read Mm -hmm. and that you were an active reader, but what else about your fourth, fifth grade self could you tell us? Well, I was very shy kid. I loved sports. I loved them so much. And I remember I wanted to be a pitcher so much. I was very into the Cleveland Indians. That was my dream to pitch for the Cleveland Indians. And so I would throw against the fence, you know, for hours a day. And and it was finally time to try out for Little League. So like anybody who wanted to be a pitcher could try out. So I remember just being in a long line and it was my turn to throw. And I took the ball and I threw it (laughs) literally 15 feet over the coach's head on my first pitch. And that's like very emblematic of my sports career. Uh, And so like tries very hard, but actually is not good. And so I did that playing with the kids in the neighborhood. We'd always be outside playing sports, kickball, kick the can, all those things. And I had four brothers and sisters and we're all real close even today. And so we would go out and play with the neighbor kids, round everybody up and have a good time. So that's a lot of what my childhood was like. I like it. So are you Jesse? No, my brother is named Jesse actually. And it's also based on my friend who lived across the street. His name is Eric. So in the book, yeah, there's a lot of myself in the character of Jesse. The real life Jesse likes video games more than anybody I know. But I thought it'd be fun to have the main character come into it, like not being so sure about it. So there's a lot of me with that in the main character. Uh-huh. I like it. So the new book, which is now instead of being trapped, now you're escaping. Yes. Escape from a Video Game, The Secret of Phantom Island. I was reading it last night, and it's so interactive and fun. And I died four times before I got (laughs) to the end. That's pretty good. All right. Well, I'm an adult, so... (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know if that's that good, but like, okay. What I loved so much was that... It's a choose-your-own-adventure, but it's not one of those boring choose-your-own-adventures where it's like only A or B can happen. There's so many different variations, and I was sitting there thinking you have to solve all these puzzles, and there's times where you have to turn the book upside down and find these clues and do all this stuff, and I thought, wow, this is so engaging. There's not going to be a kid, like I said, third through sixth grade boy. Who isn't going to like this book? Well, that's good. Thank you for saying that. I hope so. When I was a kid, like I said, I I liked to read and I did like the choose your own adventure books, but there were certain things that I didn't like. I just want the whole story. And I felt like a lot of times it's an arbitrary thing, you know, like you go this way or you don't go that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was only A or B. Right. That was it. And then when you die, I felt like a bummer. And so when I wrote this book, I wanted to make it when you die. It's not a bummer. 
it's part of something else. So for one, a lot of those death things, I tried to be real silly with a lot of them, or there's some funny things that happen with there. But also I wanted to make it where it's like, you're looking through the whole book and it rewards you for reading through the whole book. So each of those death things in the book has a letter with it. And then if you record all those letters at the end, you get a secret message that you can put online. And then that online story is like a 20 page standalone story that kind of continues the adventure a little bit. So, you know, I just wanted to take some of those things that I remember liking about the choose your own adventure book. And like you said, make it a little bit more interactive and fun. So the whole thing is engaging. So I have some logistical questions about how you write a book that isn't linear. Yeah. And that has lots of options of what can happen next. I loved that each section is short and chewable, which for Mm -hmm. kids who are reluctant, like not seeing a ton of words on the page, seeing images and pictures makes it a lot easier for them to dive into it too. But when you are writing a book that isn't linear, that has lots of different options, how do you map it out? In my head, I feel like you have a big board, (laughs) but how did you go about sort of doing that? Oh, I mean, it's a nightmare. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I just kind of went into thinking like, oh, this will be a great time. And the one section in particular is kind of a maze. And so you're kind of going through this laboratory and you have a map. And so to create that was just a nightmare. So I don't have a great answer for it. I use a program called Scrivener to write, where instead of like going through scrolling back and forth through a Word document, I can click on each section. Each section is its own little thing. So I can click on it and go hop back and forth between that. And then I do have a little map. I have a, a notebook that I kind of sketch things out. And I think that people that write these kind of stories are a lot better at doing it than I am, generally speaking. When I'm writing, I go a little bit by the seat of my pants. I don't outline a ton. And I found I had to outline a little bit more with this book. But again, it was a nightmare. I think I made my editor cry. She was like, this is the hardest thing I've ever tried to edit, but it's getting a little easier now. Now that you sort of have it under your belt a little bit because you can't leave loose ends. Right. Yeah. The writing process of this must have been so laborious in that way to make sure that everything lined up. Right. Yeah. I mean, how many times you probably had to reread it? Because I was just thinking with the same kid that loves this book, Mm. we created a board game and he wanted to have a lot of intricate parts and we had to play it multiple times to make sure that it was smooth right and that's just a board game this is a book that's the thing too like trying to think of it from the perspective of a kid playing it so some of the puzzles are pretty simple but some of them are a little more challenging you know i tried to do different ways of thinking and things like that like mechanically inclined and things like that so it was a balance of trying to make the puzzles doable but also like it's multiple choice and so you know if you get it wrong you know the other answer is right so the kids never get stuck right that was the planning part. All of my first drafts are way too complicated. And then I have to dial it back because that's what my brain enjoys. And so making it accessible to the kids while still leaving those complicated little things in there and, and making it satisfying, making those little secrets and surprises doable, but satisfying. You have to turn two pages, but you can only use the tip of your finger. <laughs> right. The Sudoku one took me a hot second. Yeah. Literally, the first words that came out of my mouth after reading it was, this is one of the most clever things I've ever read. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It was, again, this one was fun to write. It's just like a video game. You get to choose, you know, are you going to throw a grenade or... Are you going to light the torch and throw it to get the bad guy or or the monster? Friendly or not friendly? 
so many things that are just so fun and interactive that it's going to appeal to all of them. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear because again, that's what, when I wrote those books, like I wrote it for myself as a kid, you know, just as somebody who loves reading those kind of stories, but learning who the kids are that are reading it, that's really appealing to these reluctant readers who aren't picking up a lot of other books. And that's kind of what I was going for with this one, doing it on purpose and trying to make it, like you mentioned, those short things, a lot of them are one page and then you make a choice. Right. The little activities with a reward immediately afterwards again, just trying to appeal to that age group and that type of reader. You know, your chapters are short. Mm -hmm. The kids love the pictures that your brother drew. They always want to flip to see the picture of what it is you're talking about. They want to picture whatever the monster or whomever, the bad guy. And I also love that in your sequels to Trapped in a Video Game, in the intro part, you're very real and you're basically telling them, go back and read the first one. Don't start here. <laughs> and it's so funny. Yeah. I was literally laughing out loud when the kid was reading it to me. <laughs> Thanks. I know that some of it can be a complicated thing. And I do know that kids, sometimes they'll get a book, you know, as a gift, or it's the only one at the library and they'll read them out of order, but they are kind of be meant to be read in order. And so I wanted to make it fun. Those were some of my favorite things to write those little recaps at the beginning and just coming up with the most random things that I can. And then <laughs> giving it to my wife to read. She's like, what is this? <laughs> <There's> so- <laughs> You're literally thinking like a 10-year-old boy. You are not kidding when you say that. Yep. It's the only time when it comes in handy, I guess. <laughs> Mission accomplished. So I want to know what's your favorite book in the Trapped in a Video Game series? So I like the third one, I think, the most. So the third one is the one where the robots from the video game come out into the real world. Mm-hmm. I like that one the most for a couple of reasons. The one, there's a girl character in there from Australia. Australia, yeah. I've been to Australia a couple of times and I really like it. And it was fun to write in that voice. Then I like the way that it came together. And it's like all places around where I grew up, you know? So when I do school visits around here, I'm like, you know, and how many of you guys have been to Kitty Park, uh, which is like this little tiny dinky ripoff of a thing <laughs> where if you have two and three-year-olds, they charge you a ton of money to go on this really junky little thing. I mean, so of course, everybody's gone to Kitty Park and I'm like, Kitty Park is in this and the month and the robots turn into a giant death amusement park and everybody loves it, you know? And so it was fun to do all that stuff with places I grew up around. That's fun. The kid that I was talking about, After we read all five, I had him write an essay about which one his favorite was. Which one was his favorite? Number one. Okay. Yeah. And see, that's what a lot of kids say. And I told you I self-published it. And for me, if I would have known how well it would have done, I feel like I would have never published it because I just wrote that one super fast. Like I I was, you know, very excited about it. I put it out there. I'm like, okay, this is good. And you go back now and you look at your first book, you're like, oh, you know, there's so many things I wish I could have done. That's how we feel about our first like 20 podcast episodes were like, yeah, we refer to them a lot, but oh, I'm not listening. Yeah. Yeah. And when people are like, oh, I started with your first one, you're probably like, oh no, start with this one. If I would have known now how many people have read that first one, I would have been like, oh, I'm glad I did it. Again, it was like very much written for that reader. And so it seems like that's the one that they enjoy the most because that was totally my mindset the whole time I was writing it. You're your own worst critic. Always. (laughs) So one of the things that I appreciate, and you sort of already mentioned it, is that you do make yourself available to kids who are reading these books, which I love and I would have loved as a kid. I told Steph that I used to write letters to Beverly Cleary. 
who, by the way, I looked her up because we were talking about she's 104 years old. <laughs> I couldn't believe it because she was old when I was wow. not. Right. Oh, yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about why you make yourself so available? That's not something that a lot of authors do. And then you also have options for teachers to sort of bring you in either virtually or you go in person. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that's a value for you? Oh, yeah. Well, one, it's one of my favorite things to do, to talk to kids and things like that. The school visits I get to do, like, I would just do those for free, you know, because you come in right. and they don't know you're not famous and you're just like, a, you're just like a celebrity there. Right. And it's so much fun to do that. So, so it's for one, it's fun for me. For another thing, like, yeah, when I was growing up, if I could hear from an author, that would be the most amazing thing in the world. And it's easy for me to do. And it is probably the most rewarding thing because as an author, you're just sitting there, you're staring at a computer screen all day, you know, and, and to actually talk to the kids who are reading the books and to know that they'll get something out of it is really rewarding. And so anything I can do, you know, I'm always trying to think of ways to make that easier, to make that more accessible to people. If I had 200 people emailing me every day, that would be a different <laughs> make things a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah. But as of right now, that's not the case. So it's very rewarding for me to know that the kids get something out of it too. It's really cool. They really do. And for reluctant readers, having something that's so high interest is a game changer. It really, really is. And I'm grateful to you because it's given a platform to be able to have these kids to look at my bookshelf and I say, what do you want to read? And we have to read something. <laughs> and they see that and that's what they choose. And then they're hooked. And that is amazing. Well, it's the coolest thing in the world is that for kids who are struggling readers, which is a lot of the population that we work with, for you to be the author that's the entry point into the world of literature and reading and stories, mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to remember you. Not trying to make you cry. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> the trapped in the video game books aren't going to probably win any awards. I wouldn't think they're not books that are going to change somebody's life, like change the way that they think. But for me, the most rewarding thing about writing them is like, they're books that I can be proud of that I know that if I had a time machine, I could give them to my 10 year old self. Like that would be something that he would love because those are the books you remember. The books that I remember are not the books that right. was assigned to me in school and, and these books that I had to write, but it was the ones that I enjoyed the most. And so to know that like, those are the books that these kids read. And then, you know, they get through a whole book. It doesn't have a million pictures in it. They're reading page after page of text. And to know that they got through that book and I've gotten tons of notes from teachers and parents that like, Hey, this is the first book that my kid reads. Exactly. They have the confidence now to go in and read all these other books. That's the most rewarding thing for me. Yep. It's amazing. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Before we sort of wrap, wanted to make sure that we direct people to your books. So what is the best way for people to buy these books and then connect with you? Sure. So you can go to my website, DustinBradyBooks.com. That'll have all my books on it. That'll have my contact information and all that. So they can reach out. If there's any teachers that want to use in their classroom, I have teacher resources on there. If anybody has any suggestions for ways that I can make reading and these things more accessible to kids or reluctant readers, any ideas that would help them in the classroom, you know, I'd love to hear them. 
Yeah. And what's coming up next? So I just finished the manuscript for Escape from a Video Game 2. It's a mystery that takes place in a video game on a spaceship. So that was really fun to write. I mean, really hard to write. So that's what's coming up next. Right now, I'm working on a couple different ideas. I'm frankly, the choose your own adventure thing scrambled my brain a lot. And so I feel like I want to go with something simpler for right now. So I might do a collection of short stories for a reluctant reader type of uh, individual. And we'll go from there. Well, thank you so much for making the time to come on. Yeah. Even during nap time, even with our dogs barking. Yeah. We made it happen. <laughs> hey, my kids didn't come in during this. So that was great. I know. <laughs> I know. So we'll head over to Patreon. So have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week. So we're going to continue this conversation with Dustin on Patreon. So if you have not joined us on Patreon, our Patreon is patreon.com slash learnsmarterpodcast and join us there so you can hear the rest of our conversation where we give some feedback, but really just probably a lot of praise and um, chat about a bit more about publishing as well.